what's up everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of the Whiskey Sessions. This is episode 46. 46 deep. How you feeling? Be pimp. That's also the number of the Super Bowl the Bears won, I think. Number 46? Oh no, it was 26. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it was definitely not 46. 46 <laughs> is probably when they got their ass kicked by <laughs> the Colts. <laughs> yeah, didn't they just have 50? I have no idea what the numbers are. They need to use... They need to use regular numbers for the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah, I'm trying to think, what would be a helpful thing for them to use that's a number of people can remember? Maybe the year? No, it should be complicated a little bit. It should be like the two scores of the conference championship games, and then you subtract the higher one from the lower one, and then that whatever number that is, that's the Super Bowl number. Oh, I like it. Or, or get this, maybe... The year counting backwards before when the NFL is canceled because parents aren't letting their children play football anymore. So I, th- I think we're probably at Super Bowl fourteen. I would say fourteen or fifteen. That's probably actually a really good estimate. Yeah, and next year will be thirteen. I think that's about what we got left of NFL football. Uh, then there's going to be some hot tennis action. <laughs> oh yeah, covering the airwaves. <laughs> Not a lot of concussions in tennis, unless maybe you're playing doubles. <laughs> or if they change the composition of the tennis ball. Yeah. Oh, man. You just get hit in the head with, like, a steel graphite ball or something. Yeah, they're going to have to make tennis a little more interesting to make up for football being gone. They take the retired linebackers and let, and let them try to tackle the tennis players in the middle of the game. Ooh, I like it. It'll be, like, NFL Blitz or something. Oh, that's money. Yeah. Uh, you got to copyright that. Yep, I'm going to start to put it together right now. Uh, but we... Uh, So our last episode, we started the fourth round of Let's Get Personal. We got to finish that fourth round on this episode. Uh, So to catch our listeners up with what the heck Let's Get Personal is, B-Pimp, why don't you tell them a little bit about it? Let's Get Personal is where? I I realize that I do this differently every time. There is no script, so... (laughs) There's no script. Um, It sounds great every time, though. Yeah. So this is where um, we each take turns picking a list of individuals of some import and they are people that we would know maybe we don't know them but they have a wikipedia page Mm -hmm. and then the other person has to guess does that person have a personal life section in their wikipedia page has to be personal life has to be an actual section cannot be built into another section and we compete for dominance yes it's uh, it's it's a great game, and after what I guess would now be three and a half rounds, we do five people at a time. Uh, so I just finished B Pimp. You quizzed me in the last episode. Our listeners should catch up with that. I am now thirteen for twenty in guessing whether the person, uh, celebrity, if you will, has a personal life section or not. B Pimp, you are nine for fifteen, which means. If you get five out of five correct on this round, you will take the lead. Four out of five, you will tie. Three or less, and uh, you will be behind after the fourth round. I'm going to make a bold prediction that I will get five out of five. Holy cow. Five out of five. All right. I am going to give you one caveat before we start, because it was something I was a little unsure about with the rules of this game. The one of the people that does have a personal life section. The section is called personal life, but I want you to be forewarned, it's called family and personal life. That counts. Yeah, so I just want you to know that ahead of time. 
Um, so you are not blindsided. I don't. I want, appreciate. I don't want to go back. Have the judges say like, "Ooh, does that count?" I don't know. Yes or no. But I just want you to know that. No, it's not going to be like a Russian figure skating judge scenario. Exactly. I, I totally agree. You're going to say yes. They have a personal life section. I'll say uh, no. They didn't. But the Russian judge is going to say ten out of ten. And I'm going to be like, well, "What are you talking about? Clearly, the American was better." <laughs> then I'm going to be banished to Siberia. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh. Uh, all right. So let's get started on it then. This is let's get personal. Let's get personal. Personal. Perfect. All right, B pimp. Uh, I'm gonna tell you the theme actually ahead of time, uh, so you can kind of get your mindset prepared. But we, or, or you could psych me out. Maybe I'm psyching you out. But you know what? This has a lot to do with what this whole podcast is even about. It's about whiskey makers. So it's going to be tough. We are talking some old people. Yeah, I didn't fare well last time. This was kind of the same. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that's kind of why I went to this well again, because it, it was a struggle bus for you last time. So I'm going to try to recreate that again. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. Five out of five. All right, here we go. Your first one, you would know him as the founder uh, of Jack Daniels. Jack Daniel. Oh, yeah, old Jackie's got one. Ooh. I'm sorry to let you know, B-Pimp. Jack Daniel does not have one. <laughs> you still got a chance to tie. You just got to... Oh, man. Just the dream gotta... ended already. <laughs> ended quick. Okay, here we go. Here's your second. Elijah Craig. I think Elijah's a good... A good name that lends itself to having a personal life section. So I'm going to say he does have a personal life section. I'm sorry to inform you, B-Pimp. You are 0 for 2. Elijah Craig does not have a personal life section. Oh, uh, maybe deja vu. <laughs> all right, all right. You're third. Uh, the founder of Buchanan's Deluxe, James Buchanan. I think James Buchanan had some pretty big mean sideburns. So I'm going to say Yes. Ding, 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 correct. James Buchanan does have a personal life section. He had the aforementioned family and personal life section. Uh, He married a young widow, 13 years his junior, uh, in 1891. Uh, What else is fun about him? Uh, The sideburns? Do they talk about the sideburns? You know, I'm trying to look at the picture. I don't see much in the way of sideburns, but they don't have an actual picture of him. It's just a drawing. I'm probably thinking of the guy that they named Sideburns after, and it's just because they're old oh, white James, guys. James Sideburns. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not doing Sideburns whiskey, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but your fourth is from Johnny Walker, John Walker, nicknamed Johnny. <laughs> I bet there is some info about how he got that nickname, and it would be in his personal life section, so I'll say yes. Ow, shoot, I'm afraid John Walker does not have a personal life section. Drat! Yeah, so that's uh, that puts you at one for four, but let's finish off strong. The founder of Glenn Fittich, William Grant. I was hoping his name was Glenn Fittich. <laughs> Glenn Fittich. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what's his name again? His name is William Grant. William Grant grants me a favor and gives me two out of five because he has one. 
No, he doesn't have one. <laughs> Damn it! Did I get one last time too? Uh, you got one last time too. So this puts you at uh, it. It puts you at a uh, straight up guess of a percentage at ten for twenty. Yeah, I'm a coin flip. That's what they call me. Old, old, old coin flip Nicastro. Old coin flip. Yeah. Two-Face, I think, if you will. Yeah, that's how I determine what I'm going to do next. I just carry a charred coin around with me. Yeah, uh, Yeah. no, I'm sorry. Uh, one out of five, so you're at ten out of twenty. That means going into the fifth, sixth round of this game, and I think, what are we doing, first to a billion? Yeah, first to a billion. First to a billion. Uh, so you're a little bit behind, but I think you still have an opportunity to catch up in future rounds. But I'm going to go ahead, all this whiskey talk has gotten me excited for this whiskey I have here. And what I have is Redemption Bourbon. Uh, and it is batch number 18. It's it's called the Pre-Prohibition Whiskey Revival. I'm not really sure what that's referring to. But it's 84 proof. It's 42% alcohol by volume. And it comes from Lawrenceburg, Indiana. I was looking at a whiskey today that was also from Lawrenceburg. I'm going to guess, I and I don't know for sure, but I bet Lawrenceburg is real close to the Kentucky border. It's got to be. I bet it's not northwest Indiana. I bet it was founded by Lawrenceburg. Yes. Um, I will second that thought that it must be. Uh, do you think he has a personal life section? He definitely does. Oh, I'm sorry. One for six. He does not. Oh, man. All right. But I'm going to give this a taste and see if it uh, passes muster for being on the smooth terrain. I've got it on the rocks. uh, And this room is warm, so it might be a tiny bit watered down, but hopefully not. Here we go. That's okay. While you're tasting it, I'm going to tell you the one that I was looking at. That's also from Lawrenceburg had kind of like a white supremacist vibe to it. So I, I put it down. I was like, I do not want to support this whiskey. It was talking a lot about like the pride of Indiana and just there's some problematic language. So I'm, I'm, I just avoided it. So I hope this one has none of that. And I hope you can tell us if it's smoother, if it gets the boot. Yeah. I would say anything that says the pride of Indiana is a major red flag. Especially, like, really southern Indiana. There's some stuff yeah. going on down there, boy. No, I don't like the sound of that at all. Okay, Redemption Bourbon. I am putting it on the smooth train. I like it. And it was a good value, too. It was kind of on the cheaper end. Not, like, super cheap. It is a glass bottle. I'll give it that. But uh, I, I didn't have huge expectations going in. But I like it. It kind of has, like, a real... Well, it has a little bit of bite to it, but not not like a tinny aftertaste or even a particularly spicy aftertaste. Uh, I enjoy it on the rocks. It has, I wouldn't say a, not a real full-bodied flavor, but on the other hand, it also doesn't it doesn't veer into the territory of being like a little bit syrupy. So. Uh, I like it. It's even. I, th- I think this is the type of whiskey where it's not so profound that you couldn't mix it with just about anything. But uh, it also is not terrible neat either. I gotta tell you, I really love the fact that, and this is a lot about your whiskey tasting pass that you let off with, it comes in a glass bottle. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what? Well, I think the listeners have like learned that I am tending to be budget conscious in my choices. So, glass bottle is not a given with the whiskeys I'm choosing, but this one in a glass bottle. Oh, I don't blame you. I mean, we get you got to think of it. We're each buying a whiskey for these episodes since we're a cross-country podcast. And I don't drink whiskey, like, nonstop, so it'll sit there for a while. So if I keep buying, like, fancy bottles, I got a backlog going. No, exactly. And, frankly, I have a backlog going. I'm trying to be careful with the budget. And I actually might as well get into it now so the listener is not, not shocked by it at the end of the episode. But the reason we are being budget conscious is because my wife Maggie and I are preparing for a two-and-a-half-month travel excursion across Europe and Asia. And while that sounds great for us, what it does mean for the podcast is that we'll have maybe about a two-month hiatus. We're trying to get, including this actual episode, uh, a couple in the can early. But we will, just so the listener knows, we'll be coming back probably mid to late November while you're enjoying your Thanksgiving bird but yeah, just just so you're aware, there'll be a small hiatus in the Whiskey Sessions podcast. I did try to uh, investigate the, the feasibility of me being flown in by helicopter to do a uh, recording while you're in your travels. But You should, uh, yeah, hover right in. I, cr- I crunched the numbers a little bit. It doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get the funding I need, <laughs> so we're going to just have a little break. Yeah, there, there's got to be a grant in there for continuing a Whiskey Sessions podcast where you take a helicopter to Estonia or maybe wherever we are at the time. I did I did try to tell them, like, I don't have to land. I just have to get close enough where we can record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just going to stay hovered. The background noise from the helicopter will really be loud. We were going to incorporate that in. like a, It was going to be an episode where the whole skit was that I was like a traffic reporter. Yeah. It gets the boat. Well, this is Brian in the Sky recording whiskey sessions. Top 580 songs. Uh, you're getting too close to the power lines. <laughs> Uh, uh, but no, th- anyway, that's uh, it's a bummer that we have a hiatus, but that's going to be a great trip for you, and I know you'll have uh, reports for us. You may even be able to try some spirits while you're abroad and keep a little travel log and let us know. I don't want to hold you to that, but who knows? Maybe you can do that. I might do that, but the other thing I am thinking, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think I'm going to try to work on what I have not been able to do enough over the last year is work on music. And I would like to work on some beats or something while we're traveling because I think we need to get going on the Whiskey Sessions EP2, Electric Boogaloo or whatever we call it. Oh, it's definitely that now. Yeah, because I I think come November, if we can squeeze a few days out to uh, get some recording in, we can get this, we can get this puppy signed, sealed, and delivered. We're going to get vinyl pressings. We're going to have some... Uh, I don't think we're going to do a full country tour, but we'll probably do, like, between... Like, I'll go west. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll go east, and we'll do solo shows, and yeah. then we'll meet up in, like, I don't know, whatever's in the middle. I'll tell you where we're not going. Southern Indiana. Oh, no. I'm not I'm not going to go east at all. I'm no. going to go straight west. <laughs> yeah, perfect. We'll, uh, we'll meet in the middle in Colorado or somewhere. Ooh, can we be Denver? 
Yeah. We can hang out in okay. Denver. I was just in Boulder. Lovely town. Our former friend from Elder Room, Matt Eggleston, moved to Denver. And he's got connections in the music biz. Oh. So I bet we can get him to book us a show there. Oh, yeah. We can play at, like, the Metro's the Metro Denver version. I'm sure he's connected. He, he knows everybody. Yeah. Is there a Denver elbow room? I hope so. Yeah. I hope there's no W at the end of it. Yeah. That's, uh, that is a sure sign. Oh, you know, I found there is an elbow room in San Francisco, and I walked by it. But does it have a W? I... No, it doesn't. Oh, sweet. Yeah, which was cool because I knew I knew it existed because when I had done like Facebook tags for shows at the Elbow Room, like it would pop up sometimes. Uh, but I had no idea where in San Francisco it was, but I, I walked right by it. And if you asked me right now where it was, I would say I don't remember, but it's not that far from my office. That's good enough. We could find it from that. Yeah, we'll find it. San Francisco is not actually a very big city, so we'll we'll locate it. Well, we've got big, exciting things coming, despite the little hiatus. Everybody will be fine. We'll let you know when we're back, and we have some... We don't want to get into it, but we might have some special things planned. So. Yeah, so we're going to stack up on those emails. You get those emails in now, or we're just going to like read a bunch of them. If you've got ideas for top five lists... Hell, if you've got like, song ideas that you'd like to share with us, let us know. I mean, we want to hit like four or five just like classics, and I know we will, no matter what. But if you got ideas for a song, help shoot it to us at whiskey sessions music at gmail.com and we can check those out. I'm, that's a great idea. But I'm excited to get like back in the producer's booth. I want to make some banging beats. You know what I'm saying? Club banger. Yeah. I, you know what we haven't had enough of in our song? That air horn sound? <laughs> that, uh, 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 <laughs> that's all that's... whiskey sessions too is going to be air horns. It's like we just need to get the samples that they had in DJ Hero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just print those into the game, to the uh, EP. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we should get to our top five list. I don't think I've even mentioned it actually. Uh, I usually do at the top five or at the uh, top of the episode, but I did not. So you're in for a pleasant surprise. We are actually talking top five British TV shows of all time. It is all time, correct? Oh, yeah. You weren't just talking the year 2002? No. Okay. Or 1982? Good. No. Yeah. All right. So we were talking all-time favorite TV shows from the British Isles. Um, but yeah. Let's, jolly old England. Jolly old England. Let's get into it. These are our top five British TV shows. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, B-Pimp, what is your number five British show? Number five for me is The Mighty Boosh. Ah, I've never seen this show, but I saw it as I was looking through different British shows to jog my memory. Tell us about it. I love it dearly. It's a absurd sketch show, I guess I would call it. Mm -hmm. um, Lisa bought me the uh, whole series on DVD, which is why she's a lovely lady. And, Good gift. Um, it's a great gift. Um, they have basically like, I think they made 20 TV episodes. It was originally like a radio show, which seems to happen sometimes in, in over in England. They take radio shows and make them TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, but they made three seasons from 2003 to 2007. They did some touring, and it's just like an absurd show. The first season, they're in a zoo, and the two main stars are 
uh, zookeepers, and there's just all kinds of ridiculousness. It's it's really fun show. If you like absurd humor and like kind of fantasy based humor, it's mm-hmm. it's it's great. I yeah, I'm gonna check out that show. So it you have the whole DVD case. Oh yeah, got, got them all. Nice. We're gonna steal one of those from you. You can borrow it for sure. I'll borrow it. All right. Well, I don't know. I'll ship it to you, and then you could ship it back to me. We could do like a uh, like a pen pals, but with DVDs. Nice. All right, my number five. I had to put this. Most of my picks are not obscure, and I had to have one that was a little bit obscure on my list, or I just didn't feel legit. Uh, but I also I watched this as a kid a lot because they would play it on PBS because you know late night PBS it still does but like plays a lot of British shows um, and this show it's called Allo Allo and it is a sitcom it aired in the eighties uh, for pro I was looking back on it, it looks like the whole decade actually leading up to nineteen ninety two but it's a sitcom that and I think this is bold. It takes place in France, in Nazi-occupied France, during World War II. And it's a sitcom. But it's wow. it's hilarious. It follows like a French cafe owner, and there's uh, a whole bunch of different characters. But I, I like that it goes for it. I mean, even... I mean, not that there haven't been other wartime sitcoms, like MASH takes place during the Korean War, but I don't think the Korean War was nearly as didn't have as much of an impact as world war two or but um i think china beach was also a war-based show wasn't it oh yeah you're right uh but yeah i uh if you get a chance to see an old episode of allo allo i highly recommend it it feels so british too i mean even though i'm not sure anybody is well no, no no i take that back a couple people in the show are playing british people there's also i forgot like a couple of characters who are British soldiers hiding out in the cafe uh, from the Nazis. It's not sure where you find the hilarity in this, but I'm glad they did. I gotta watch this. I haven't seen this one. Yeah, it's it's uh, allo allo a l l o a l l o. I'm gonna I'm putting that on my little list so I can remember to watch it. Definitely do. B pimp, what is your number four? Number four for me is the IT crowd. Ooh, I had a tough time leaving this off my list. Just, I haven't seen enough episodes, but go ahead. Tell us why it's your number four. I I just think that it is, it's it's a very funny show. It has a laugh track, which sometimes turns me off from shows, but it's, the writing is great. It was written by Graham Linehan, who... Not to spoil, he's he's involved with some of the other entries on my list. Let me just put it that way. Um, Chris O'Dowd's in it, who you might know from Bridesmaids and some a lot of other stuff. Richard Iwade is amazing. He was also in the Mighty Boosh. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know he was also in that show. He's super funny. I mean, both him and Chris O'Dowd are really funny. And you know the other guy that they keep in that back room in the IT crowd, the like pale guy, uh, who looks like a vampire. Oh, okay, yeah. He's also he's the one of the main guys for Mighty Boosh. Oh. When did, Plus, okay, so Mighty Boosh comes after or before IT Crowd? Before. Before, okay. Plus, Matt Barry is is the boss in this show and has some of the most... Like, he makes me laugh more than 
a lot of other people. Like he's one of my favorite people. He just he just makes me laugh consistently because he's ridiculous, and his delivery is so over the top. But it's just it's just a great show uh, about two IT guys who have a department down in the basement of this like huge industry or huge uh, company, and it's very funny. There's like four seasons, I think. They tried to make it into a American show with Joel McHale a couple times, and it failed miserably. And I think they're trying to do another one right now, but I don't know who's going to star in it. Um, but the original in Britain is great. Yeah, you know, I think what threw me off about the show a little bit is I I knew about it, and I hadn't seen it, and then I watched it, and I think I was expecting more in the vein of like the British office, where it's not quite so fast-paced, it's not that absurd, and of course the British office doesn't have a laugh track, but uh, it's it's much, the IT crowd is much more scatological than I thought it would be, and like, kind of goofy, and fast-paced, and uh, it almost threw me off the first couple of times I saw it. Yeah, there's an episode where Chris O'Dowd has like fudge on his forehead for the first 20 or like 10 <laughs> minutes or something. Yeah. And that's the whole joke. But for some reason, it just, he is a great actor. And it just like, even though that is, you're right, like I still think it's a classic. No, it is. Uh, I, I totally can get behind that. My number four, um, which I just kind of mentioned in my explanation there, is The Office. Uh, so, I mean, clearly this show made Ricky Gervais. I think it's the best thing he's been in by a lot. And it really is like the, it's not the first time I'd seen it, but it really does a great job of that kind of just, um, the, the painfully awkward British humor. I have like, I may or may not have more to say about this later. So I'm going to hold back some stuff, but I agree with you. Okay. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Please proceed with your number three. Number three for me is cracker. Oh, I don't know the show. It's got Robbie Coltrane as the main actor. Robbie Coltrane is awesome. He is awesome. Yeah. And he plays Fitz, who's a psychologist who works for the cops and investigates crimes for them, mainly like serial offenders that they're having trouble catching. And it came out in the early 90s, which was way before a lot of, like that has become a, a huge thing in in the last 10 years or so and this was like an early 90s british show um and they have great stories they'll do what they do is they'll have like a four episode arc where it's all about one one criminal that he's trying to catch and it's really funny the stories are really well written there's a lot of drama as well like you get attached to some of the characters and there's just a lot it's just extremely well done um, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. I know it's on BritBox, so if you have BritBox, check it out. Wow. Okay. First of all, I've never even heard of BritBox, but I'm going to check that out. Cracker, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. I feel like I feel like I'm learning something from our top five. Like I feel like Robbie Coltrane is... I don't know that much about him, but I think he's like perfect in the couple of Bond movies that he's in. Oh, yeah. And... If you're telling me there's a TV show that kind of like apparently slightly precedes those Bond movies with him, then I gotta watch it. I'm sure it's good. It's great. It was like '93, I want to say. Okay, that's a uh, that's that's awesome. All right, my number three is Monty Python's Flying Circus. So this has been bouncing all over my list, and I this is where it landed. There's just a number of classic sketches. I have not seen every episode. 
but I I just gotta say Eric Idle, John Cleese, hilarious. For that reason, I had to put it at number three. I do feel like it's a little bit of just a like a, a respect nod uh, because I don't think any other show I have on here is that old. But that's why I had I had to have it number three. I'm a little embarrassed to say that I do not have it on my list because that is a classic. Um, it's in my honorable mentions, but I want to mention one sketch that has stuck with me over all these years, which is when he's trying to sell that dead bird at the pet store. <laughs> so good. I just, that sketch is hilarious that they, at the time, were doing, like, just a lot of, just, like, even if it wasn't a sketch, but it was just, like, kind of an in-between, like, little bit of absurdist humor, which, of course, spawned, like, I would say, I think they did three movies, and two of them are, like, hilarious, but, um, like, just in-between little sketches where they would have, like, weird little animation things or uh, I remember one little like in between sketch where a bunch of the guys are like carrying a coffin and then somebody collapses and then they put him in the coffin and keep on walking and then another person collapses and they put him in the coffin and they keep on walking like just like a lot of ideas going about the show is great for that and I just feel like it's such a just influenced so many other shows yeah you're absolutely correct on that what are we on am I I at number two uh, yeah. What is your number two? The Office. Hey. So, I think The Office is, I'm going to say, I I have at one time, this would have been a no doubt, hands down number one for me on this list. Um, Ricky Gervais has kind of disappointed me for a while now. Um, he seems to have just kind of been mailing it in for the last... I don't know how long. I'm sorry, but uh, the, sh- the show where he plays a mentally challenged person is the fucking worst. It's 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 the first season I watched because Carl Pilkington plays the janitor, and I think he's brilliant. But that show is ridiculous. I don't know why he thought like this is going to be the next thing for me. Oh my god! And his movies are bad. He's making like Netflix crap movies. Uh, I don't know what happened, but his podcast that he did in the that basically was one of the main podcasts that got it huge. The idea of podcasting is is still a classic. Just hours and hours of great stuff, and The Office is amazing. It um, is. It's a version of The Office that knew when to stop. It it only did two seasons and two Christmas specials, and it was it. Yeah, it was like t- fourteen episodes, basically. I love um, that. All these British shows, it's just a thing to do a Christmas special. Yeah, I like that. It's a nice little quaint, like... I know there they have, like, Christmas Day is a huge TV day. Mm-hmm. So they do... It's like a thing there, but... And I will say, I'm not an, I'm not a very emotional person, but the, the ending of that series gets me every single time. It's, I just think it's perfect. It is perfect. And it's like, it's how... I mean, the American office is like Jim and Pam get together, I don't know when they get together, maybe like season two or three or four or something, and then it's like three, six think, yeah. more seasons. Yeah, that just could, it doesn't work. No. And like they have to fabricate some other thing to make it interesting, but that doesn't work, and it's like, just no one to end a show, God. No, this was a build, they, they built that perfectly, and okay, granted... 
what's what's his name? I'm to- I'm totally blanking on his name right now. Tim. Tim, yeah. The guy from the actor's name. I'm trying to think of the act- from Sherlock and Martin Black Freeman. Panther. Martin Freeman. Thank you. He's Martin excellent. Freeman. He's great. Yeah. He's just great. He does a speech in the last episode right before they get together where he's talking about just how important work is in a daily life and how the people you spend, you spend more time at work than you do at home. And these people are your friends. It's just like, I'm like nerding out about it, but it's, it's some of my favorite writing. It's some of my favorite just media that's ever been made. And I think that they just nailed it. And and like you said, the length is perfect. Everything is perfect. So yeah. And I honestly, I have nothing against John Krasinski, but for the kind of character that they're both playing the same person, like their equivalents, Martin Freeman does it perfectly. It's his character. There's yeah. no comparison. And I agree with you. I lo- I think Jim is a great character. I think that John Krasinski is a good actor. But you just can't. That's like comparing. It's just not even a comparison. I mean, it's a masterpiece. The yeah. Martin Freeman's performance in that show. Not to mention, Gar- I love Dwight yeah. in the American Office, but Gareth is a is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you can't compare the the two characters. And you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree with that. But guess what? You're wrong. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right, my number two is boy. I wouldn't have said this just eight months ago because I'd never seen this show. But I really enjoy it. Black Mirror. Oh, man. I forgot that show. Yeah, I've seen all but one episode. And I was about to watch the last episode that I hadn't seen until Maggie said, like, oh, I've already seen this. So I guess I'm going to have to watch it on my own at some point. But this show is great. Not every episode is a classic, I'll admit. But the good episodes are really fucking good. I'm going to tell you right now the one that I would put on... The one episode of that show that I would put on the level of what I was just talking about with the office is the one with like the dating simulation. That is, that episode is really good. The episode where the woman, um, and it's the same woman who plays like Peggy Carter and captain America loses her husband. And then they like can kind of recreate her husband based on like his social media personality. That episode is so good. Like, there are some... There's probably a handful of episodes that I would just say are really, really good. Yeah, it's a, it's a great show, and I think it's going to be... I think it's... It could go one of two ways. It's either going to be looked back on as, like, wow, they really predicted some things that, <laughs> that we're having problems with, or, like, why did they think that that was going to be a thing? Yeah. But I just think that it is, like you said, some of them are... It's hit or miss. Like, there was one... Uh, the one with the insurance where they have the people can like tap into your mind to see what you actually saw. Do you remember that one? Oh, is that the, like where you can kind of play back? Yeah. Hi. Did you know? I like wasn't that into that one. Oh, uh, I kind of liked that one. It was super uncomfortable though, but I actually thought it was like sort of weirdly realistic. I like the setting because I think they were like in Iceland or something and it looked amazing. Oh, but... Oh, okay. I'm thinking of a different one. You are talking about the one where the woman like murders a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That one, yeah. Wasn't that, that one, the insurance one? I, I, yes, I think you're right. Um, I was thinking about another one where you, I guess it was a similar idea, but you could actually play back what the other person was seeing, and these couple, this couple would get into a fight, and the guy was like an alcoholic. Um, 
about what the other person was thinking about. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay. But I see, yeah, that is very similar. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Iceland one, it just bummed me out. And I thought, like, it, it was shot beautifully. And I thought it was, like, technically well done, but I just didn't like the story. Yeah. She so feels it, like a baby at the end, too, right? Yeah. I yeah. did not, I did not care for that. It just, like, <laughs> like the, the as an American simulation... audience, like, no, oh, no, no, thank you. No. But the dating simulation one, I remember when that ended, I was just like, this is brilliant. Like, this is a great. idea perfectly executed the actors nailed it like that's what i want to see from these kind of shows yeah they just knocked it out of the park i like the star trek one a lot i also uh oh there's one that jodie foster directed that kind of sucks yeah i think it's which one was that uh it's where like the mother is watching through her kids eyes on like a really wonky looking ipad yeah i didn't like that yeah it wasn't good but yeah, that show was, like, really cool. I mean, it's, like, yeah, it is hit or miss, but the ones that hit are, like, they really hit. Yep, totally agree. All right, what's your number one? I'm Alan Partridge. Fuck. See, now this... I think you're right. It's... I, I know where you're going to go with it. Let me just... I'm going to talk about I'm Alan Partridge for a little bit, and we can have a discussion about his universe. Okay. Um, this show... So it just it just makes sense to say it. I have two of his other shows on my um, honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. So the show that preceded um, Alan Partridge, which is Knowing Me, Knowing You, um, was the actual where the character was introduced. Yeah, and that is great. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like the two seasons of I'm Al- I'm Alan Partridge are. It's to me, it's like the epitome of what I love about humor. And I feel I have watched them over. You actually showed me that you gave me the DVD of the first season in college. And you said, you got to watch this. And I, I just had never, I had not seen anything like that before. Just like somebody just diving into a character and completely, uh, killing like the parody of what he was trying to do. And, and once you see like what Steve Coogan is really like, and then you see what Helen Partridge is like, it, it's unbelievable what he does in that role. I think the movie's great. I think Knowing Me, Knowing You is great. But I'm Helen Partridge is my favorite. It's because of a lot of the surrounding cast. Um, I think it's just 12 episodes of just fantastic comedy, and it is my favorite. Maybe my favorite show, but it's definitely my favorite British show. It is. Like, I... I love that show, and that was the first thing I had seen Alan Partridge related. And I thought it did that kind of just uncomfortably awkward British humor before and better than The Office did it. And it was just so good. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. I actually put Knowing Me, Knowing You as my number one, and I left I'm Alan Partridge off the list. And I've decided. Now that I'm thinking about it as the episode is going on, I'm actually going to change that. I'm going to make it a double dip. Oh my god. Because now that I think about it, this is actually what what introduced me to Alan Partridge. And then I went backwards to see Knowing Me, Knowing You, which is hilarious and probably should be on my list. Because I didn't want to put like two Alan Partridge shows on my list, I'm just going to leave it as an honorable mention. But I agree... Knowing Me, Knowing You is great, but I'm Alan Partridge is, like, perfect. It shows him after the show, his life has been not great. And 
Steve Coogan yeah, just got, nails he it. Di- he got addicted to Toblerones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, no, it's, a, it's a perfect show. Uh, what do you have as some of your honorable mentions? Um, I wish I, I want to talk about I'm Ellen Partridge for like five hours, so we may have to do like a another episode extended about that, version. But, yeah, um, I have Faulty Towers, absolutely fabulous. The Great British Baking Show, Keeping Up Appearances is a dishonorable mention. Uh, Monty Python, Mr. Bean, Black Mirror, and Abs or uh, Saxondale, which is another Steve Coogan show where he plays like an ex roadie who is like a coke addict and has oh. very someone and is a great show so if you haven't seen that you should check it out yeah i i saw on a lot of lists faulty towers was up there and i've actually never seen it so i feel like i need to watch that because i couldn't even put it on my honorable mentions i didn't know but i mean i freaking love john cleese so i gotta watch that show it's funny yeah i my honorable mentions i had the it crowd red dwarf mr bean um i had I had I'm Alan Partridge, but I've decided that's actually leapfrogged everything to be number one. And knowing me, knowing you is now in my honorable mentions. Uh, The other ones I had are two shows that are, they're sitcoms, I guess, but that I watched on PBS as a younger child. It's As Time Goes By, which has Judi Dench in it. I think it aired in probably the mid 90s Uh, and from May to December which uh, I think actually it's just called May to December. Uh, and that aired about the same time. Uh, both both great, very British shows. And then one show I kind of like is called Murder in Suburbia. And it follows two female detectives. It's a drama, but it's almost a comedy too. But I think it's hilarious too. And it's such a difference between like British crime shows and American crime shows. But like when they're about to bust in on the scene, they're not, they don't bring out their guns. They actually bring out their like billy clubs. I have to check that out. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, That's why it's, it's, it's hanging on to my honorable mentions, but it's just a show I've watched. But yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of good British TV out there. And I definitely want to watch Faulty Towers, but I also want to watch Cracker, which you mentioned. I didn't even know about that show, so... you got to watch it. Bridgebox is like an add-on you can get on Amazon. Oh. I think it's like five ninety nine a month. And you... I have it because you can watch all the British uh, Antiques Roadshow on there, which is another oh. hot tip. But, uh, yeah, Cracker's great. Good to know. All right. Um, if you have British shows you think we missed... Go ahead and let us know on Twitter. That's at Whiskey Sessions. Or hit us up on our email. That's whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. And we're going to read your email on a future episode. But we're going to read the emails that we got for this episode now. Uh, So let's get to it. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right. I've got an email from... Where is it? Here we go. Hi, Whiskey Sessions. Great cast, and I love Toto's Africa. What did you think about the Weezer cover? And this is from Woggy in Westover, West Virginia. A lot of W's there. Um, uh, Vodka Ron told me about this, and I listened to it. It's fine. It's fine. Why is it so faithful? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what's the point? I think that they were challenged to do it or something. There's like oh. some backstory to it. Okay. I don't know what it is. It's like the guitars and the chorus are slightly harder. Other than that, I like cannot tell the difference. They should have done hold the line like I did. Exactly. Hold the line, which is really Toto's big hit. 
It's their number one hit. Yeah, it's their number one hit. All right, if you got an email that you'd like to send us, go ahead and hit us up on whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com, and we will feature on a future episode. It's going to be a couple of months until that next episode, though. So get those emails in, and we uh, I'm sure we'll have just a massive backlog of those emails. I'm going to have to hire a temp to like keep our email straight. Yeah, but uh, we appreciate you all listening through 46 episodes. We are going to come back to you probably end of November. Keep on drinking your whiskeys, writing your emails, putting together your top five lists. And if you got song ideas, of course, hit us up on the email too. But be pimp before we launch into this two month long hiatus. Do you have anything that you would like to leave our loyal, wonderful listeners with? We should do a cover of Hold the Line, where I just basically do what I did on the last episode. <laughs> we should try to do a really faithful cover of Hold the Line, but it won't be faithful because it'll be not that great. We should do that. We'll put that right on Whiskey Sessions too. Hold the Line cover. It'll, it'll be Hold the Line Whiskey Sessions, or Hold the Line Whiskeyized. I love it. All right, let's do it. All right, until next time, see you guys later. Peace out and word up. This is Amets. We'll see you in November. Yeah. Alright, have a good one. Peace.